4 verse 5. Let's just ask for God's blessing on this reading. Lord, we thank you that we can be here to hear you speak to us. And as we open your word, we ask that you'll work within us with your Holy Spirit, that we may truly hear you, you speaking. We pray to be with Andrew as he brings your word, give him clarity, and open our hearts to hear you speaking this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. These persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded Enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So far the reading. So we're, um, as Jim said, we're continuing on in our um, series of Timothy. Um, Discipleship in difficult days, and um, we've had three or four up to now. Three up to now, and um, just to catch you up a little bit, we um, we Paul's written this letter to Timothy. This is his last letter. Um, he doesn't think that he's gonna. He's actually wanting Timothy to come and visit him. He doesn't think that he's gonna get out of this one before he goes to Jesus. And he's writing to Timothy, who's ministering in troubled times in Ephesus. And the trouble is not just from outside the church, but the trouble is also inside the church. And so he wants to encourage Timothy and he encourages him to, uh, first of all, that, that he has life and that he has a rich heritage. He encourages him to fan into flame and not be ashamed of the gospel. And he makes a point that the gospel is the power of salvation. He's challenged to train and last week we looked at training and working hard and not getting distracted and being wary and watching out for what's happening in the church and in and around. All really important stuff. 
Because for Paul, the, the, the gospel must go out pure. It must go out in truth. It must go out right. And um, just by the way, I've, we've been doing this series. I've loved hearing a little bit of feedback from some of the life groups, some of the discussions that are coming up in the life groups and the questions. And that's great. Keep them going. You know, and pray you'll get the answers. Maybe if you listen, you'll get some as well. But um, it's really good to see that, um, you know, we don't just talk about uh, these sorts of things in church, we don't just preach a message, but we actually get to interact with them and try to figure out uh, what it means and, and what's going on. So now pa- Paul is focusing, he's done all that, and now he's, he's focusing on, if you like, the tool, isn't it? The, the what. What is the most important resource or tool? What is the most important thing that Timothy has? What is, gonna, what is powerful? What, what, what can he come in these troubled times? What he, can he confront these troubled times, these people, these false teachers? What has he got in the toolbox? And it's the Word, isn't it? It's the standard because it has power. And it directs, and so much more. You know, and in a in a society of and time of shifting values and changing opinions, um, reinterpreted truths. We even saw at the end there that people will just you know make the truth to suit their own passions and wander into myths. There needed to be, and there needs to be in our day, a standard, something that's right, something that's unshakable, something you can rely on, something that's true. As something that's accepted and it's not affected by an opinion or a new idea or, uh, or something like that. I have this, um, um, uh, brought this along today because I'm, I'm not sure that I, um, you know, standards don't always matter. I've decided that from today that this is a meter. All right? Not least because that would make me quite taller. I wanted to do it with weight. I thought that would work well for me. So this, this now is a meter. I don't exactly know how much it is. I'll tell you that in the future, but I'm in control, and this is a meter right now. And so from now on, when we go out, um, when you go to work, tradies, when you um, go and measure something, this is now a meter. Do I, ha- do I have you guys on board? Am I hugely overestimating my influence and, and my allegiance here? And your allegiance, rather? Why is that not a meter? Someone tell me why that's not a meter. It's only about one and a half feet. Why is that not a meter? Why can't I say that that is a meter? Because no one else agrees with me. I have hugely underestimated my influence, haven't I? Or overestimated my influence. But why else? Why can't someone like me come up and say that this is a meter? I don't have the authority. So who had this? How does that work? Who decides what a meter is? Come on. Come on, guys. You can God decides what a meter is. <laughs> no, he did cubits and stuff like that. You know. Who decides? How do we know what a meter is? How do we know what an undisputed... Have you had any tradies here? Have you ever bought um, a, a tape measure at one of those really cheap shops for $2? And figured out that it's not quite the same meter as some of the other meters, you know. In Uganda, we get them all the time. So, how who, who decides what a meter? What makes sure that it's an undisputed meter? Does anyone know? You Google it. Google and God, they both start with G. There's this, you know. I've got a picture up here for you. Let's get this next slide up. 
This is how we know what a meter is. This is the definition of a meter. In France, there's a standard platinum iridium meter bar. The original defi definition of a meter was in terms of Earth's circumference. That's how they started. And then it was changed to be based on this platinum iridium bar, which is even shaped, I was reading a bit about it, the way it's shaped is really important so that heat can't affect it. It can't bend, nothing can happen to it. It had to be platinum and iridium. And that has markings on it for the exact meter. That's kept in France somewhere. And that determines, lately they've changed, it. it's now defined in terms of wavelength of light emitted by krypton atoms. I was doing that the other day in my garage. but um, <laughs> So... <laughs> And that's what I come up with. <laughs> so we understand that a metre is a metre because there is a standard somewhere that is undisputable. If someone decides to make a new tape measure, it won't sell because it has to agree with the standard. And, so, and, and that's true with... Um, oh, I could do a few other, but we, we don't have time. I could do a few other interesting examples. Um, the point is that the word is a reliable standard. And so it's something we can depend on so that it doesn't get changed. You can't come up with another tape measure or another standard. The word is a reliable standard and an established truth. And Paul says that to Timothy. He says that in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. That's where it came from. So the word is a reliable standard. And this, Paul is saying, is the nature of the word. In, in, in verse 15, he reminds Timothy of the sacred writings or the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise, not just for life, but for salvation. Think about that. They're not just for life. The scriptures aren't just great ideas for doing things well, but they're able to lead you to salvation, which is the ultimate thing that we're all looking for. Every human being is looking for salvation. Many don't know yet what from, but we are. Able to make you wise, not just for life, but for salvation. And the purpose of the word is that it leads you to the ultimate thing we all need and want, and it does it reliably. And then Paul says in verse 10 and verse 14, we see he says, in 10 he says, you however, and then in 14 he says, but as for you... So he's saying, unlike others that haven't understood or used that standard, you have been following these teachings. You have been following these standards because you know from whom you learnt it. Your grandmother, your mother, but also Paul. By now he's learnt a lot from Paul, hasn't he? And I was wondering, what might that have looked like, him and Paul? What would they have done for Paul to invest that word, that, those holy scriptures. What would, and, and I was drawn back to Psalm 119. And those of you that, have, um, that really do want to pump up my tires will remember that about a year ago I preached a message on the word and I preached it on Psalm 119. How many of you remember that? Yeah, I've got a couple. Have a look at this. This is Psalm 190. is littered with truth about the word. And I've just put up a couple of verses up there, so you may remember them. And I wonder if Paul and, and Timothy sat down and, and read this stuff together, you know, on papyrus or whatever they had then. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. So there was that sense of life that the word gave life. And, and I wonder if Paul and Timothy talked about that. You've dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments 
According to your word, teach me good judgment and knowledge. I wonder whether they discussed what that might look like using the word. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. I wonder whether they talked about hope with a Paul who, who often talked about the hope that he went, the place that he knew that he was going to. I wonder if he said, there's a secret of it. It's in the word, Timothy. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It'll show you where to go. It's the, one, it's the thing that illuminates the way. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding. To, and that's just a few in Psalm 119. And I wonder if that was part of Timothy's education. And that's why Paul says, but you're, you're not like those because you have this rich word. You have the word, this standard, uh, these, these holy scriptures that are able to make you wise for salvation. And now, in verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue in them. So keep going, because this is what will ultimately guard you from the false teaching. And your knowledge of the word will enable you to identify and rebut things. Remember I talked about that if you don't know the word, how can you tell if there's someone coming in that's preaching something that's not of the word? If you don't know the word, how can you know the way? Know the word. He says, continue in this word and teach well. I mentioned last week how important it was that we know the word and the confidence it gives us, the ability to understand understand and interpret the world around us as well. So Paul reminds Timothy to continue in what he's learnt. Let the word continue to work in you, continue to grow, uh, grow in strength, grow in courage. And he finishes with these words in verse 16 and 17, and I think we've got them on a slide up there. It's all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, verse 16 is not just a description of what Timothy can do with the word. Sometimes we, we preach that, we say this is how we use the word. And Timothy could have thought of that, and, and that was going to be true as well. This is how you use the word in, in getting it out there. But it isn't just a description of what Timothy can do with the word or use. It's what it can do in him as well, isn't it? Those things are also important for him because he is also that man of God. That's Timothy as well. And the word was still going to be good for him to teach him to reproof and, and to grow him as well. The word had worked in Timothy and worked in his life and it needed to still work in his life. Timothy would also need to allow the word to continue to bring teaching, reproof, correction and, uh, and be taught by it himself. So it's not just what he was to do with it. And this would keep him on the path of righteousness but it would also equip him for what he was called to do. Now some of us, and, and me included, have been acquainted I'm using the word acquainted sometimes with the word for many years. And I don't know what it was like for you, whether you uh, grew up with a Bible reading before or after every meal or before you went to bed or every morning at breakfast. or You know, many of us have been acquainted with the word for a long time. But is it still teaching us? Is it still correcting us? Are we allowing it to equip us, to reprove us? You know, we love that correct thing. We love, we love being corrected. How many of you love being corrected? 
It's not a word we like to use often. But are we allowing the word to do that? Does it still have power or sway in our own lives? Or do we use it as a weapon? Do we use it as some sort of armor or a weapon? Does it still have sway in our own lives? About a year ago, we did a couple of, I did a couple of messages on the word. And I said this, and I'll put it back up on the slide again. In order to, to describe this, the word is profitable for teaching what is right, for reproof what is not right, for correction how to get right, and for instruction how to stay right. And that's how we're supposed to use the word in our own lives. Do we understand the word like this? Do you understand the word like this? Because we live in difficult days too, don't we? We don't live on easy street. The world isn't, isn't opening a door for us to rush in the front and share the gospel. The world doesn't want the gospel to influence society. We live in difficult days. And the issues sometimes are not even just outside of us. Sometimes they're in us as well, aren't they? Difficult days are sometimes inside. And so just like Timothy... We're encouraged today to continue in what we've learned. If you've been hanging around the Word for ages, continue in what you've learned. Allow the Word to make you wise for salvation. You know, being made wise for salvation, I was thinking about that. That's not just a once-off thing, isn't it? I can't say, well, I've been made wise for salvation, so I'm set. I think it's an everyday reminder, isn't it? It's something that I'm being reminded of every day. You know, that I can be wise for salvation, to live my life towards a thing that's promised, to, to correct my, my ways towards a thing that's promised, to allow myself to be taught towards salvation. And then we get to, um, but Timothy, uh, Paul doesn't stop there. He wants the word to continue to work in, in Timothy's life. But then he switches gear in chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, semicolon. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. So he's using some strong words there, isn't he? He's, he's sort of finished saying, you know, this is what the word is for you. You knew it. You're not like those. Continue in learning. Continue to allow the word to work in you. But now preach the word. I charge you. Those are strong words, aren't they? You know, if you've got time, do some evangelism. If life group's on tonight or you have time for church, get to church. If you happen to be in the tea room with someone and they ask about Jesus, tell them that you're a Christian and, no, no, I charge you, preach the word. The word must not only work in Timothy, but it must work through him as well. He's supposed to use it for the very things that it would do in him, to reprove, rebuke and exhort. He's to preach the word. Remember the word, the standard. He's to recorrect some of the standards, some of the mismeters or the, the bits and pieces that are wrong. Because the word has power. It's God breathed. Remember back in three in chapter three, verse sixteen? It's God breathed. It comes from God. And he's to preach, and it's interesting, preach the word, not himself. And this is interesting in our day. Um, because I think and, and sometimes that this was confronting for me, where Paul says, Preach the word, not yourself. Preach the word, not a program. Preach the word, not a process. Preach the word. 
You know, and that's confronting for me because sometimes I think that we need to make things a bit, bit better or, or flash it up a little bit or have a great program or, or, or be... But Paul says the word is the standard. It's strong enough. Preach the word. You don't need to preach any more than that. And this is important because Paul knows that to counter the challenges of false teaching and heresy or to steer clear and steer people and stop them from wandering takes more than the powers of persuasion from a good evangelist. It will take the word. It takes more than a great story or a wonderful theme or a nice little Christianese. It's going to take the word. Let the word work. The word has power to convict and to change hearts. The truth uncompromised. Timothy's call to be a disciple and to disciple others wouldn't work without the word. He would not be able to fulfill his ministry. And at the end there, Paul says, fulfill your ministry. He wouldn't be able to do it without the word. You know, and these are two really important practical lessons for us in discipleship as well today. We need to let the word work in us, but also through us. Discipleship can't really happen without or outside the word. Discipleship is not just a set of good morals or ideas. Even the word is not just a set of good morals or ideas. In our difficult days, we need a standard. We need something that is set in stone that can't be changed that we know that we can rely on. We need a reliable truth to depend on. We need more than good church services. We need more than great programs and good relationships. These are all really good things and they can be platforms for what? For the Word. We need to be ready to live under and instruct with the Word. You know, sometimes I hear people say and I even catch myself thinking it, but is the word relevant? It doesn't seem relevant for today. I hear people, I've had discussions with people, oh, the word is not relevant today. I was reading something a while ago and it came back to mind and I thought I'd put it up on a slide there. Um, and this person said, I can't remember whether I heard it or read it, it said, if you don't think the word is relevant for your world today, then you don't know your word today. And I was reminded of that. If you don't think the word is relevant for your world today, then you don't know your word today. The message being that if you actually really knew the word, you would see that it does speak to your times, to your world, to our world. Know it because it can speak. So I also hear, you know, sometimes it feels like that the word just doesn't cut it. You, you say something but it doesn't have impact, it isn't convincing and so you want to add excitement and you want to add something to the word let the word work. It's God-breathed and there's something supernatural about the word that it's able to reach and change the hardest hearts. You know, I've told stories before of a guy and I knew in Amsterdam who was on drugs for years and, and, um, and anti-God and, and all sorts of... And all he heard was some guy standing... You know how we, we, we laugh at those guys that stand... In Uganda you get it all the time. You get these guys that stand on the streets and they just yell out the word. Central Station in, um, in Amsterdam is one of those places where you'll have people just, someone will, get, someone will get up there and preach the word. And this guy was just preaching the word one day, thousands of commuters going past him, but this one guy 
He heard it one time, totally changed his heart on the spot, never had a conversation with anybody, went and found a church and said, someone tell me about this. It changed his heart entirely. You know, and that doesn't happen every day, but the Word has power. There's a supernatural power in the Word that we need to trust and we need to rely on. It's able to reach and change the hardest hearts. And we're told to share it and teach it boldly. You know, there's other, you know the other, so we've got this where we think it's not relevant, or we think it doesn't cut it, or it's not convincing. And then sometimes we can, affair, we can be afraid of the accusa- accusation that we're Bible bashers, or that we're rude, and, and that we're intolerant. Have you ever been worried about that, or someone said that to you? No? Just me? And sometimes we can be a little bit afraid of those accusations. And perhaps the way that we do it, we might deserve some of those some of the time. But there are three words that Paul says in, in chapter 4, verse 2. With complete patience. And I think they're there for a reason. The NIV says, great patience and complete care. So it expands it a little bit. That says something about the way that we teach the Word and how we display Christ, isn't it? The emphasis throughout the book of 2 Timothy is on preaching and teaching and on the Word, but also on being a godly example. The Word is the revelation of God the Father, as well as revealing Jesus and salvation. It has power to open lives and hearts, and so we're supposed to use it. But God also chose us as the vehicles for that word, the way the word would get out. His agents, if you like, and, and call him crazy for doing that because we mess it up. We do, we do make a meter 950 mil sometimes or 1100. You know, we do, we mess it up. And, and sometimes I wonder the wisdom of God at doing that. But we've been chosen as his vehicles, his agents for the word. And we need to do it with patience and care correctly representing the character of the author himself. You know, and this is especially true to me sometimes when you see, and I don't know how many of you are on Facebook or social media, and you, you get some of these, these discussions happening between non-Christians and Christians about something that's really strong in the media, and you know, I don't even need to... You, you know what the issues are nowadays. And sometimes I see Christians write stuff on there, and I think, wow, if I wasn't a Christian, I'm not sure that I'd be really warm to the word the way you're speaking right now. I think it matters how we do it. The word has power, and we can speak the word, but we are the ambassadors of Christ. We're the vehicles. And Paul says, do it with great patience and complete care. I think that matters. That doesn't diminish the word. It doesn't diminish the truth. But the way you deliver it, can make sure the truth gets in or it totally doesn't get in. And I think that that really matters. And I think that's, a, that's something, and particularly in our difficult days, that's something we need to learn and understand, how to do that faithfully. So when we disciple, we must use, we use and trust the word, being mindful of our role of representing the author and his love for those that we disciple. Never forget that. The person you're talking to that isn't a Christian yet, He's still loved. He's still in God's sights. He's still someone that God wants to draw into his kingdom. And we want to represent that. We want to be like Jesus would be if he was standing there, drawing them in with love and care, but with truth. Jesus never minced his words with the truth, but he always did it in love.
Paul's almost finished his words to Timothy now. We're almost at the end. We have another message next week from Joel. And after encouraging him, he's reminded him. So we see that after encouraging him, he's now reminded him that he has the greatest tool available to live a godly life, to endure suffering, and to use in his quest to win others over to the love and salvation of God. He would do well to let the word work in him and through him. We would do well to do the same. Let the word work because it does work. You know, we just celebrated Lord's Supper and we just remembered Jesus who was the word in flesh. And he's given us his spirit to live in us as the word with it all around us. I think it's really cool to see that Paul um, is reminding Timothy of the power that he has. He doesn't need anything more than that. Timothy's not going to be there much longer. But he has the word. He has everything that he needs. And so do we in our difficult days. What I'd like you to do is, um, we're not, we don't have any more songs today, but what I wanted you to do is I wanted you to um, get together with Two other people. So there's just, say, groups of three. And I just want you to, we're just going to take five minutes. I know we've, oh, we're, we're doing okay. I'm going to take five minutes. And I want you to share with um, the other two people a, a scripture or a verse that it could be your favorite. It might have meaning to you. It might have been just recently that it spoke to you. I just want you to share something of the word with them that you remember, that was special to you, that speaks to you, that influenced you. And then... Hear, what, um, hear from each other and then I just want you to pray for each other and just pray that the, Lord, that the Lord would have the word work in your lives. So can you do that? And then uh, after about five minutes, I'm just going to pray and close off our service. So get together with two other people. Think of a scripture or something in the Bible that's encouraged you or that um, meant something to you and share that with somebody. So Heavenly Father, we, um, <clears throat> we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for um, providing us, giving us, furnishing us with a, a reliable truth, a standard that we can rely on, something that we can depend on. And Lord, thank you that it isn't just words on paper, that it's a person, it's the person Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father, it comes from you. And we thank you, Lord, that um, we don't need to add to it. We don't need to give it oomph or power, that it has power, that it's vested with your power, that is able to change lives, including our own. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that we're challenged daily to, to understand it ourselves, to allow it to, to change us. Thank you for your patience in, and giving us your word that realigns us, that corrects us, that helps us to stay on path. But thank you that you've also given, us, given it to us to share with others, to show others the way, the way to salvation. Thank you, God, for being, um, having such foresight to prepare us so well. Lord, I pray uh, for myself and for all of us, Lord, that, that the word would work, that we would give it space in our lives, Lord, that we would allow it, Holy Spirit, that we would open our hearts, that you would open our hearts to allow the word to come in and change us where it needs changing, encourage us where we need encouraging, 
that you would allow the word to come to us when we can encourage others, when we can exhort others, when we can steer others. Lord, let the word work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.